You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. I hate Edmonton's going horn. It's dumb and dumber. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world. It's that bad. Dreisaitl, left wing across to Nurse. He scores! It's just, it's, it's so bad. It's, uh, it, it nags. Oilers have it in the Vancouver zone. Now McDavid with a shot gets his own rebound. He scores! Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. And we are coming to you with a brand new intro. Kudos, laddie. Kudos, A-Dog. I'll say good morning to you both right now. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Hello. Uh, I would also say good morning to my co-host, Jason Bruff, here on the Halford Bruff Show on Sportsnet. Good morning. And that was a new intro. I love it. Some listeners don't like change. We had to change it up. It's a new regular season for the Vancouver Canucks. Same results, but uh, it's a new regular season, new intro. D- different players, different places. Big band isn't just for Tuesdays. We're going to slap some lipstick on this pig of a show, and that it, that's it, basically. We got, a, we got a new studio, and we got a new intro, and the rest will be kind of mediocre, as, as usual. This pig of a show is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Brard Acura on Terminal Avenue. We're going to get through everything quickly. Jason's going to tell you very quickly about the Kintech Studios because we need to get into everything that happened last night with the Vancouver Canucks. Just calm your words down. Then, nope. they'll, then they'll come easier. Uh, we Kintech, have to hurry. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1,500. That's 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, 7 o'clock, what's happening on the program today? Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks is going to join us on the program. He, of course, was on the call for Vancouver's 5-3 loss to the Oilers in Edmonton last night in the season opener for both teams. So batch at 7 o'clock. That means, Jason, an entire unfiltered hour of Halford and Bruff from 6 to 7. We will go through everything that happened in the world of sports last night. After batch, 7.30, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff will join us. Uh, we can go around the league, look at some of these stories that are percolating as there's a huge slate of games tonight. A lot of teams are going back-to-back. Some of the teams that haven't opened yet are going to open up their campaigns tonight. So uh, Frank Saravalli at 7.30. 8 o'clock, first-time guest on the program as we dive into the baseball. Uh, Bob Stelton from Seattle Sports Radio in Seattle is going to talk to us about the Mariners. The Mariners are back in action today as the American League gets back into action in the playoffs. The big question is, how are they going to respond to that gut punch loss in game one against the Astros? We'll also ask Bachelor that same question. We will ask Batch the same question. Maybe it, Frank. We can ask it, all of them. Was, was blown leads just the theme of the, of the past week? The Blue Jays had a big one. The Mariners had a big one. And I have to admit, last night when the Oilers had that 3 nothing lead, I'm like, man, do these, come, these things uh, come in threes? Like, it, it, it just, you know. It, it felt like it was going to happen, and then, hey, hey, hey it happened. Uh, so, also tonight, in terms of what's happening, 
Uh, Thursday Night Football, don't watch it. It's the Commanders and it's the Bears. Major League Baseball, you've got the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros Game 2. You've got the New York Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians in Game 2 as well. The the NHL story for tonight, uh, a lot of games across the board. You're going to get a look at the worst team in the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes. They take on Pittsburgh. You get the Devils and Flyers. John Tortorella's debut behind the bench there. Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida, New York Islanders. The, the uh, Leafs are back in action against the Caps. Both teams played last night. A bunch of games to get through there. And finally, there's lots of Europa and Conference League as well. But that's what's happening on the show today. Uh, we need to do what we do every day. We need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? Jason and I have talked at length over the last few weeks about the importance, the need for the Canucks to get off to a good start this season. So good job. (laughs) The Canucks got off to a good start this season. A great start. It could not have been a better start. They were up 3-0 early in Edmonton against one of the best teams in the Western Conference last season. Everything was going great. And then the Edmonton Oilers scored five unanswered goals to win 5-3 in the season opener at Rogers Place in Edmonton on Wednesday. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, start uh, talk about that start because uh, that was the good thing from last night. And we are, of course, the house of positivity until we become the house of negativity because the team forces us. Uh, I mean, what a start. Pedersen, we've all talked about how, how, uh, how well he played in the preseason. He takes advantage of rookie Dylan Holloway's terrible pass up the middle. Got the kid, the, the poor kid benched after like one shift in the NHL. Petey steals the puck, goes in, scores, one nothing for the Canucks. 2 nothing after that on a JT Miller snipe. Then you go into the second period and you're like, no, oh, I wonder if the Oilers are going to come back. Well, because of a, a bad Darnell Nurse penalty right at the end of the first period they score early on the power play and it's like oh okay cool beautiful pass from JT Miller to Kuzmenko I thought we'd be sitting here talking about Kuzmenko and Andy would be so happy he'd be gushing over Kuzmenko well I still kind of am that's that's the one silver lining I have from last night all right and then it then it all fell apart quiet you and if you want to blame the refs go ahead they had a bad Missed call. Uh, They missed a blatant Evander Kane high stick on Quinn Hughes when the Canucks were killing a penalty. So essentially it was a five on three. Poor Quinn Hughes was bleeding out there. Couldn't really be part of the game. The Oilers score, and it's 3-1. And I think all of us were thinking, uh uh-oh. Fair or not, and it was unfair to the Canucks, We're going to see if this team can play with structure when the momentum turns. If this defense can hold up. If guys like, uh, you know, JT Miller, who said, I'm going to work on my defensive game. Well, you're the top line. You're getting a lot of assignments against the McDavid line. Let's see how you can do it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't hold on. And they lost 5-3 to the Edmonton Oilers, and Connor McDavid had a hat trick, albeit one of those goals into the empty net. It was – listen, I'm just going to read some texts here. 
because as much as people were excited about the Canucks start and as much as even the Canucks were saying, hey, at five on five, we were great. We played really well. Special teams let us down. Bruce Boudreaux was talking about you give the Oilers that many chances, they're going to score. I, 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 this text from Lance kind of sums it up for me. Hey, guys, fun game last night. This is a joke, right? Some kind of elaborate joke where we all had these concerns about this team that they assured us weren't valid, and then ironically they are all on display in game one. When the Canucks had a 2-0 lead, I said out loud that they're losing this game. They're so predictable, it's insane. Structure? Remember how they wanted to play with structure? I love how structured their game was. Wow, such structure. Lance is not well this morning. A lot of people aren't. I mean, the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket uh, is symbolic, emblematic of a fan base that watched their team race out to a 3-0 lead and looked very good doing it and then crumble, capitulate, 5-3. I think it's also valid to say, and you had this in the notes yourself, and I kind of reiterate, it was a great start, and they played well overall. And if you're going to stick to the process, it's great, but it's hard not to look at that as anything other than a lost opportunity. It doesn't really matter who the opponent is. When you're up 3-0, well into the second period of a game, you should, at the very least, Expect to get a singular point out of it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're being outplayed, which, by the way, the Canucks were not. It wasn't one of those games where they were being outshot 28-10, to 10, but they had three goals on 10 shots. As we've heard in some of the clips, including in the intro, they played well at 5-on-5. Five five. Now, the, the interesting thing here is almost balancing the two sides of the coin and trying to find some happy ground because moral victories and playing well shouldn't really apply to this group. They're wearing shirts that say unfinished business. Bruce Boudreaux saying that it's going to be a massive disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. So the bar has to be raised beyond, well, we had a good game, but yeah, we didn't we played well. So it's got to be higher than that. At the same time, we are talking about game one of the season, mm-hmm. uh, a blue line that's been picked apart by injuries. And it was that part was entirely predictable that maybe that group wasn't going to be able to hold Drysaddle and McDavid and Kane and everybody else in check all night. And, and finally, before I throw it over to you, you got to give credit where credit is due to Edmonton, in particular McDavid, who, I, to be honest, I didn't even think he had that tremendous a night. I thought he was largely kind of invisible for the first period, and he took a, took a couple questionable penalties, and he finished with a hat trick. That's McDavid. That's the inevitability of Connor McDavid. So all in all, I understand fans' frustration. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. Well, a little bit. But I'm not an idiot. You can't have a 3 nothing lead and blow it. At the same time, circumstances intervened. Here's the head coach, Bruce Boudreaux. I thought we played outstanding in the first half of the, the game. And uh, um, you could see them building, and then they uh, – but, I mean, it's uh, in the end, it's uh, – our special teams were better. I don't think it, w- it would have been uh, much. I mean, we had some opportunities, two breakaways when we had a three-to-one lead. That would have made it difficult for them to come back. And then we had some open nets at that time. So, I mean, you give teams too many chances to come back, they're going to come back, especially those two guys. Yeah, the Canucks could have scored so many more goals last night. And ha- however you want to say they could have scored them, uh, Hoaglander had a bunch of chances. Miller had a chance. Horvat had a chance. 
Uh, the power play went one for eight. One that was bad. for eight. That was bad. And basically that one goal was wiped out in a way because the Oilers tying goal because of some bad puck management in the offensive end by the Canucks, they score a shorthanded goal. And it was Darnell Nurse that got the goal, which made it kind of worse just because, you know, he's clearly the the public enemy number one mm-hmm. on the ice for the Canucks and and also the Canuck fan base. Um, I want to also discuss the play of JT Miller and Bo Horvat last night. So these are two guys that are very much in the news. JT Miller, less so now that he's signed his long-term contract. But now we're going to wait to see how how that contract goes. Now, on the good side, he scored a goal and had a really nice pass to Kuzmenko. So he had two points. Mm-hmm. Right? Offensively, you get two points in a game, you get the old check mark, you did your job. Defensively, this is something that he's – Talked about, he wants to get better, and and granted, it is a really tough assignment when you go up against the Edmonton Oilers. Mm -hmm. But hey, you know what? It's going to be a tough assignment when you go up against the Colorado Avalanche, and you go up against the Calgary Flames, and you go up against, I don't know, teams that make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a tough assignment. And last night, uh, I did not think JT Miller played well defensively. I thought Bo Horvat. And I know a lot of Canucks Twitter agreed with me because I was seeing it last night. Just didn't make an impact. He didn't play well. I don't know why or what. I don't want to sit here and say, oh, he's distracted by his contract situation. That would be unfair. He just had a dud. Or I don't know, maybe he is distracted by his contract situation. All go. I know is that he didn't look very good last night. Uh, we got a JT Miller clip that I want to play. Because uh, JT Miller is is also kind of the de facto spokesperson for the Canucks. I know Bo Horvat is the captain and the guy that all the microphones and the cameras go to. Uh, but JT Miller, his word on that team is also the one that people want to hear. And this is what he had to say. Well, we played five on five well the entire night. I mean, it wasn't even a start. Like we, all, I think, I think we all played them five on five the whole game on the road. And their home opener, so I mean, there's a lot to take good from here. It sucks, and nobody likes losing. And a couple of breakdowns here and there, and all of a sudden we're down. So, so obviously JT Miller didn't think it was so bad, right? And when you go up against a team like the Edmonton Oilers, they're going to get chances and they're going to score a lot of goals. It was only game one, so let's not freak out too much. But I think that text from Lance was was pretty accurate in that it was the way the Canucks lost that game last night. We've had a lot of questions about, can this team play with structure? Can they lock down a game? Well, they couldn't last night. They couldn't lock down a game. Right? And a lot of locking a game down is, do you have a shutdown line? Do you have a shutdown pairing? Do you have good defensive centers? JT Miller is going to be asked to shut down games. Maybe not all the time at home. I don't know. I honestly don't know which line that Bruce Boudreaux is going to go in order, if if they have to protect a lead, like what's the number one line against the number one line on the other team going to be? Is it going to be the Miller line? Is it going to be the Horvat line? It seems unlikely that it's going to be a, the Pedersen line with Kuzmenko on it, but maybe that's something that Bruce Boudreaux is going to have to consider. 
because Elias Patterson might be their best defensive center. Mm-hmm. And if you want him to attain the heights that you're going to need to play at the level of playoff team, Stanley Cup contender, Western Conference finalist, which Edmonton was a year ago, uh, you kind of almost have to throw PD into those 1v1 matchups at times with McDavid and be like, I understand this guy is otherworldly, but that's the bar. Because if it's not him, it's another otherworldly guy in Nathan McKinnon. Now, I thought I thought Pedersen was terrific last night. I know someone just texted in, didn't like the gaffe on the – when they had the man advantage and the Oilers scored the shorthanded goal. I mean, I know we kind of brushed over it in the start, but the, the missed high stick on it, – uh, on Quinn Hughes was an egregious, egregious error on the Zebras. And we're not just talking about the fact that the Canucks would have gone to a four-minute power play. It was that Edmonton was on the attack. Hughes could not defend, which is what he was out there for. And you could feel the momentum shift with that goal, without yeah, question. In the crowd. The barn was waiting for something yeah. to happen because they had gone off to such a terrible start. And that level of incompetence is unacceptable because we're not talking about a glancing high stick that catches a guy on the visor and he goes down and makes a meal of it. Hughes is leaking afterwards. He's got to go off. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a bad, bad mistake. And in that moment, there is something to be learned from that from the Canucks because that's when the momentum flipped. I don't know whether it flipped more after that or the shorthanded goal, but either way, you could feel that the tide had turned and all of a sudden it came down to what you talked about. How are you going to lock this down now? Mm-hmm. How are and, you going to prevent this from running away? And bad stuff is going to happen during games. Right. Right? I'm, I'm not sitting here like, I, it was a bad mistake by the refs. It was terrible. You, you, you could say the Canucks might have won if, the, if that call hadn't been made. And right? They, but that, you know, so the funny thing is when you talk about flow of a game, it's like, well, what happens in the aftermath? Not surprisingly, the Canucks end the night with yeah. eight power plays. So the refs are out there. Now, I don't want to say making it up, but they're definitely taking it into consideration. Well, it started early, and, and part of me wondered if they kind of overlooked that play uh, because they were like, ah, we've called a lot of penalties on the Oilers, mm-hmm. et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At any rate, you know, there's one guy, and I think the, the Canucks, to their credit, weren't whining about the refereeing last night. No one said that. And, yeah. and I think they would have looked really badly if they did even if they did privately feel like that was a terrible call, they still had a two-goal lead after the Oilers scored. And here's Oliver ekman Larson talking about we can't blame the refs. It's easy for us to say to you, like, we're watching the replay, and, yeah. and it happened so quick out there. And uh, to be honest with you, I thought the ref, refs were pretty good both ways uh, tonight, and so we didn't lose because of them. For sure. God bless OEL. So we got a text in. How do you think Mikheyev will change things once he's back? Well, I mean, he could be a massive addition, right? He's he's going to be a big part of the PK. Better be. And if he skates with Pedersen, maybe Bruce Boudreau is more apt to put PD out there in a defensive role more often. So I think he's going to change it that way. Who knows how the lines are going to shake out? To be perfectly honest with you, I don't love the line of Pearson, Miller, and Besser. No. I don't like it defensively against a player like Connor McDavid because uh, Pearson, Miller, and Besser, good hockey players, average skaters, all of them. You put them out there against a rocket ship like Connor McDavid, oh, wow, look, some of them had trouble getting back on the back check. 
It was, yeah, it's the worst possible guy to exacerbate your lack of foot speed. He's like, okay, uh, let's take a minute here. McDavid is so unbelievable. We're at the point where we really take everything that he does for granted. He scored a hat trick last night in the opener when his team trailed 3-0. Under any other circumstance, we'd be praising the captain for this heroic effort in which he dragged his team from 3-0 down to come back and win the game. And it was just, oh, um, just McDavid doing McDavid things. Also, I wanted to ask you a question. How much are we willing to, for lack of a better term, sewer the penalty kill? And how much are we willing to say and just kind of give an old tip of the cap to Edmonton, especially that second one with the tick-tick-tack-toe passing? And say, yeah, they're yeah, the, pretty good at this. The PK wasn't a, as much of a concern for me mm-hmm. uh, as the Canucks' power play. Okay. Um, the power play wasn't good, right? I'm confident it, it's going to be good this season. They've got a lot of pieces out there. They just seemed a little disjointed. And Horvat was saying after the game that uh, they got to make some adjustments because the Oilers were doing some things to take away some of the uh, – the scoring chances that the Canucks were hoping to make, they, they just seemed kind of out of it, right? It, the, it wasn't great. It wasn't great at all. And, and again, the shorthanded goal highlighted that and also added to the momentum going the totally wrong way. Like, if you're losing the game on special teams, it can be very deflating, right? Because it's like you got the trepidation whenever you take a penalty. And you've also got that kind of looming dread that you're going to the man advantage again, which is great. You're going to get opportunities. But you've got to capitalize because now you're one for eight in the game, right? So the special teams battle, like, profoundly lost last night. Hey, guys, I, I also just want to say, as Andy yawns in my face. Uh, I'm sorry, it, I was trying to be stealthy, sorry, but pal. He, he hates you made, that. You I made know. eye contact with yeah. me and yawned. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I might as well look directly at him if I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, now I'm rattled. He actually did it on purpose. He told me, watch this. Uh, and you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing too, Andy. This is what I was going to say. Like, I loved watching that game last night as much as it, it was entertaining as much as it turned badly for the Canucks, man, it was fun to be watching hockey again. It was yeah. a fun hockey game. It was, it was a good game. It, it, there were all sorts of storylines. There were some, uh, incredible plays like, Hey, like hate the Oilers. That power play goal that you just talked about was incredible. Yeah, it was like, like a Globetrotters. That, out there. It was it, it was such fast passing. Yeah, like I think it started with Nugent Hopkins, and he didn't even get a second assist. Yeah, their power play is just insane. It, it was it was just ridiculous. Uh, and the Canucks had some nice plays too, right? Like Petey picking off that pass early in the game, going to the net, staying by the net to poke it in and taking that big hit. JT Miller had a nice snipe. He had a great pass to Kuzmenko to make it 3-0. That's that right. was the only highlight of the power play last night, that pass mm-hmm. by Miller to Kuzmenko. 30 um, goals this year. It was uh, it was fun to be watching hockey again. It wasn't a snoozer. It wasn't the result we wanted. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But it was an entertaining hockey game. That's, um, a bum- that's a bummer, by the way, is that when you talk about this five-game road trip, we, we, at, at a certain point yesterday – we had come to grips with going two and three on the road trip as being fine, given the rash of injuries on defense and how difficult it would have been. That is where I come back to, I think it's a totally valid criticism and complaint that it doesn't matter the circumstances. If you're up three, nothing, you've got to find a way. I don't care if it's McDavid and McKinnon out there at the same yeah. time. They've somehow been on the same team. you got to get a point. you got to do something. Like, start tackling guys, right? And then <laughs> when they're on the power play, tackle them some more. But you, like, n- to not get out of that game with a single point in the grand scheme is going to be frustrating. 
right? Especially if they have a banana peel game in Philly or God knows where else. Yeah. Right? That was a good effort. That was a good performance. It should have resulted in at least one point on the road. Mm -hmm. But it didn't. And now we're left here to do what we do. And that's kind of have some consternation, have some laughs. Andy's yawning. All the usual hijinks from the Halford and Bruff show. Uh, the Canucks are in Philly next. They've got a couple days off to travel to Philly. They'll probably practice uh, tomorrow in Philly. It's an afternoon game, but I want to say it's 1 o'clock our time. That start on Saturday. So you got some Saturday afternoon hockey watching to do this weekend in addition to all the other sports that are going on. Uh, in our next segment, we'll look around the NHL, the other games that happened. We'll dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line. There was also some, some baseball that happened last night at Dodger Stadium. There was a goose on the field. Repeat, there was a goose. A goose. Best was, part of the night. A goose was on the loose? A goose was on the loose. And the Padres also won. So that series is tied up. Uh, lots more to come on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-one on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody! Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Beat goes hard in the morning. Gonna avoid the laddie. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. They go hard at the dealership to put you in a car. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Go visit them today. They'll lift your spirits after that Canucks game last night. In case you missed it. 5-3 loss to the Edmonton Oilers at Rogers Place in Edmonton. The good part is that the Canucks got out to a terrific lead. Terrific start. 3 nothing, as a matter of fact. The bad part was everything that happened after that. But hey, glass half full. They got a chance to go 1-1. One one. Saturday in Philadelphia, the game does start at 1 o'clock, by the way. I double-checked on that one. Uh, the Canucks weren't the only team in action last night in the National Hockey League. The first of the all-Canadian doubleheader was Toronto and Montreal. And what an exciting hockey match that was. I was on the golf course, uh, so I missed that one. Did you? Uh, but I was kind of checking my uh, Were you listening on my your phone, phone and, and I saw that the Leafs had lost with like 18 seconds left, and I was like, <laughs> days off to a good start. Josh Anderson scored with 19 seconds left in the game to give the Habs a 4-3 win over the Leafs on Wednesday night in the opener for both teams. It was a terrific third period. Back and forth, end to end. Uh, it looked as though that was the a- game was destined to go to overtime, but the, ha- the Habs had that one last chance, courtesy of Anderson, to win it with less than 20 seconds M- More left. like courtesy of Jake Muzzin. What yeah. Ki- what, what kind of giveaway was that? It was not uh, great. Sheldon Keefe, the head coach. Uh, the odds makers say he's the most likely to be the first coach fired. Uh, he was not very happy with the Leafs last night. Called it sloppy. Called it unacceptable. Just for fun, do we have the call? Of the Leafs losing. Uh, I put it in the notes. I guess we don't have it. Well, uh, we, they, can, they can get it. They we can, can, find we, it. we can rag the puck right now. Uh, Josh Anderson scores with 18 seconds left to uh, give the Habs the win. Uh, I don't know how Matt Murray played last night. Ugh. 
wasn't great. Not great? Doesn't uh, look good? Keith did a really good job of stick handling around it by saying that his guys hung Matt Murray out to dry, but everyone that said if you shoot high glove on Matt Murray, you'll have some success were rewarded last night, including Cole Caulfield, who had a pair of goals. The, the consensus was Murray like looked small, and there was a couple shots, especially the second Caulfield goal that he wanted back. The winner he had no chance on. When we get the audio up, you guys give me a nod when we got it. When we get the audio up, you'll actually hear not necessarily a ping, but more of a clang when Anderson's shot goes barring in. But it was um, it was an interesting affair from a number of different angles. The key thing, which we can get into in a moment when we play the goal, we got it here. Anything? Anything here is Josh Anderson, game winner last night against the Leafs. To the line, Gooley shot, blocked in football. Was a game away. So in the aftermath, Keith kind of throws his team in the fire a little bit. You mentioned using words like unacceptable and sloppy. It was interesting because the guys on the panel, including Fridge, picked up I on it. I love it sloppy. sloppy. <laughs> you kids love them sloppy. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I can't. It's a good. That's a good Billy Madison reference. I can't not appreciate that. And tip of the cap to you. Okay, focus. Um, Fridge noticed it right away that it seemed like a pretty aggressive take from a head coach after game one, right? That you're kind of saying, well, you don't necessarily want to throw down the gauntlet, but his his interpretation of it, this is Fridge I'm talking about here, was that maybe Keefe has heard too much about the Leafs saying, ah, the regular season will take care of itself. Our proving ground is going to be in the playoffs. So he wanted to eliminate that right away because all of the Montreal goals came off the kind, except the, the Muzzin turnover, kind of came off the east-west Roger Dodger type stuff in the offensive zone where you turn the puck over and it's an odd man rush the other way. And Keith said, like, look, this is a team that doesn't really dominate you at five on five. They're not really a, a one zone offense type team. They want to get chances odd man. They want to get in on the rush. And we mm-hmm. gave them a bunch of opportunities to do it. So it's going to be something interesting to monitor moving forward because this Leafs team, they didn't really add much in the offseason. Like they, they ran it back in a major way. Yeah. And the only thing that they changed was the goalies. Mm-hmm. And in game one, I mean, say what you will about Murray being hung out to dry. It's still four goals and a loss to the Montreal Canadiens. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, we, we've said it before. The, the, the teams that made the playoffs in that division, uh, Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida, you can make the case that all four of those teams are weaker on paper well, this t- year. I'll tell you what. Sorry, you want to finish something there? That thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, Florida lost some depth. Um, and of course they're completely different now. They lost Uyghur and Huberto. They did add Kachuk, but I think overall you're looking at that team and going, eh, they're probably not as good on paper as they were last season. Toronto, you just mentioned. Tampa Bay, you just wonder about them getting old, right? Like yep. you just and tired and, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're a little bit slow now. They didn't look great on opening night in New York. Granted, it's just one game and, you know, you shouldn't necessarily doubt the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're better, right? And then what's the final team would be the Boston Bruins, who are going to have to deal with all sorts of injuries heading into this season. And also, you wonder about their age, but they looked pretty good last night. They looked good last night, which is crazy because all that we talked about was 
is running it back with the same band and the same cast of characters going to work when two of the very fundamental members of that band, Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy, ain't there? Well, no problem last night. Pasternak, three assists. Jim Montgomery, who I totally forgot, like, mm-hmm. was a storyline here. But first game since 2019 behind an NHL bench as a head coach. He gets a win. Boston beats Washington 5-2. Here's the thing. Of the two teams and the matchup going into this one, I kind of framed it as the two old teams, right? The two old guards going up against one another in the opener. And they had so many similarities because they both got some key injuries at key positions. And they're both kind of bringing it back with the same cast of characters. Boston looked real sharp in that game. They're going to be really interesting to watch because I don't know what to make of them just right now. Two teams that the Canucks will face on this road trip were in action last night, and it did not go well for either of those teams. Uh, again, the Washington Capitals lost to the Boston Bruins 5-2, to two, and people have wondered if this is maybe the year that Washington falls out of the playoffs. Uh, the Blue Jackets lost 4-1 to one to Carolina, and they might have also lost Patrick Laine, to an injury, he had to leave the game. Uh, I don't know if there's been an update on his status, but uh, that would obviously be a big loss for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, no update. He was knocked out in the second period after colliding with Pesci behind the Hurricanes net. It almost looked like he got his arm caught up against the glass and then Pesci hit him in the shoulder. So it's definitely some sort of upper body injury pertaining to the arm or or the shoulder. He had scored the only goal for Columbus and Mm -hmm. then had to exit. It was not a good night for Columbus. I They had a couple chances. I was watching the highlights of it later. But Gaudreau was kind of invisible. Went without a point in his Blue Jackets debut. Yeah. They only managed to muster one goal of offense. And they lost Line. So if you're talking about it from a Canucks perspective, you've got Philadelphia. You've got Columbus. You've got to start circling those games as the ones that you want to get results from on this road trip right now. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. I, I would add, I would add one in there too. There, there's an opportunity to to at least go and get something. Um, the Canucks have to play, of course, Washington and Columbus back to back, so that's going to be an added challenge. Uh, the Avs had their Stanley Cup banner raising ceremony last night, and then they toyed with the Chicago Blackhawks. If you look at the shot clock, there, I think it was almost two to one in shots mm-hmm. for the Avs. They beat the Blackhawks 5-2, to two. so that was a good night for Avs fans. Um, the Anaheim Ducks, they weren't the only team to come back from a deficit last night. They were down 4-2 to two to the Seattle Kraken. They came back and won that one 5-4 in overtime, so that was a bit of a wild one. Another season where you're like, oh, is Philip Grubauer going to – do anything for the Seattle Kraken because they got him signed for a while and he allowed five goals. So not a good night for the Kraken or Philip Grubauer, but at least they managed to get a point out of it. Yeah, they had the lead and yeah. they got the point. That's Unlike very, the Canucks that had the three nothing lead and didn't even get a point out of it. Yeah, so that I mean that's the NHL story from last night. Really tonight we've got a ton of games to look forward to. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, almost like eight games on the docket. So, uh, you know, the Canucks aren't back in action until Saturday. It's a one o'clock game. So we've got a fair bit of time to kind of look around the league, to be perfectly honest, and see what other trends are developing. It's far too early to start pegging what teams are going to be playoff contenders and what aren't after game one of 82. But, but we're going to do it anyway. Well, we're gonna, yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is the beauty of the early parts of the season are that you kind of get to see 
wh- like the, either the teams that are going to surprise, mm-hmm. right? What teams are going to jump? Because there's always going to be one or two teams that are going to jump out of nowhere and kind of force their way into the playoff picture. And there's going to be one or two that fall way short of expectations. Isn't it being kind of overreacted part of the fun of being a, a sports fan? I think it's just, I mean, for me, it's the... It's not even. Like, do you want to have just no? As a sports fan, do you want to have no reaction after last night's game? Like, did, does is it is the only reaction you want to have? Like, it's only one game of an eighty-two game season, guys. Let's calm down. Like, I get that that's probably technically the right thing to do, but it's not fun. I mean, well, I want to talk about this game last night. It was it was a heck of a game. The Canucks had a three nothing lead, and then they didn't. I'd like to fl- frame it not as overreaction, but uh, intense curiosity. <laughs> I just have an intense curiosity. About so you're just going to yeah. reframe it. But yeah, just probably it's just a term. PR spin. It's not overreaction. It's intense passion about the team. I'm just a curious person by nature. <laughs> I don't know a lot of things, and I'm trying to learn. But when you go back to last night's game, there were enough takeaways from what you saw from the Canucks yeah. where you're like, okay, you kind of have an idea of what this team's going to be. A lot of people have thrown out the response of, this is what I expected. Bad blue line, couldn't hold a lead, gave up five goals. Okay, there's that element of it for sure. But uh, to be fair, there's a few new parts on that blue line. That blue line is banged up. So you kind of have to figure out, one, uh, how they're going to perform as currently constructed. And two, what happens when they inevitably get these guys back in the lineup? Demko looked pretty good. Demko was fine. Someone just actually texted in. You never said a word about Demko's game. How do you think he played? I think he played fine. He, he made saves. some big saves. Yep. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, uh, he, he almost had saves. the second goal. I shouldn't have goal. said fine, actually. I can't believe how yeah. close he got on the second goal, the power play goal, because uh, how he got over there to even make it close was beyond right. me. You know, what do you, which saves are you going to make? Like People might say, like, well, you know, you shouldn't. He should make one big save on one of the goals. Like, okay, he did make quite a few big saves on the night. Mm-hmm. Think about the goals that he allowed in. We've already talked about that incredible passing play that the Oilers had on the power play. Yeah, you can ask stop him, that. You can ask him to stop that. What about the really nice pass from Drysidel over to Darnell Nurse for the one timer um, on on the shorthanded three on one? You can ask him to stop that. Or would it be easier to like say, hey, Petey, maybe don't pass it into that area of the ice on the power play, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I'm not going to blame Demko no. for that. I'm going to blame uh, Pedersen for really just a irresponsible pass on the power play. You got you to manage the puck. You got to manage the puck even on the power play when you're against a team like the Edmonton Oilers that has that sort of counterattacking speed. Okay, let's do 90 seconds of uninterrupted house of positivity. So I thought Pedersen looked very good, especially in the first period. I loved the goal because it wasn't just – it was. I mean, it wasn't just your standard NHL goal. Like, it took a little bit of cojones to do what he did, right, mm-hmm. to try and make that move. And he stuck with it and finished. So I thought that was good. Andy, uh, your love of Kuzmenko has only grown. Well, I yeah. thought he was great last night. I say any Canucks game that Kuzmenko scores is a win. In my okay. heart. Okay. I, I think that might be some flawed analysis, but I'm willing to let it go this early in the morning. I thought Pod Colson was very solid, and a couple Me people too. pointed out that he got a ton of time at five on five. Well, he doesn't play much special teams, right. either power play or PK, so he was going to get a lot of time. For sure. Because if you look at some of the power play time that the Canucks had, like JT Miller spent eight minutes on the power play last night, right? Mm-hmm. They were on the power play a lot. They had eight power play opportunities. They only scored one goal. So they're going to be out there a lot, right? They didn't end many of those power plays early. Right. 
Uh, I agree. I, I agree. I thought Pod Colson looked good. He's just a solid player. And he's a smart player. He uh, always seems to be on the right side of the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of contrast him sometimes, whether this is fair or not, with Nils Hoaglander. It's inevitable. You have to. Right? And you're kind of like, yeah, Pod Colson just seems like the smarter two-way player. I didn't hate Holglander's game last night, but a guy like that needs to bury opportunities, yeah. right? Because it's not like, well, you know, he missed that, uh, he missed those opportunities, those great eight chances. But he was, I don't know, great in the faceoff circle. He doesn't even take faceoffs, or he was, he was great uh, mm-hmm. on the PK, right? Well, he's not even on the PK. So guys like that, it's kind of a curse, right? Like you're one of those players that. You're either you know in a scoring opportunity, or you're kind of like, well, what what are you doing, mm-hmm. right? How are you helping yourself? He might be able to develop his game into becoming a penalty killer or more of a two way threat. Um, I think he has the potential to do that. I really do because I think he's got that want, and that's what you need. But right now, it's not like the coaching staff trusts him defensively, so they need something offensively from him. Yeah, so I... I mean, he's going to be the guy that comes out when McKay's ready to I, I roll, would, right? I would, like, I would imagine. No, but every, every, unless there's another injury, he's coming out. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you're right on that one. And I, I don't disagree with any of your analysis there. I feel bad because, again, as a common schlub who's just working on the radio, I understand that everything that NHL players do is extremely difficult and trying to do it at a high speed with precision is extremely difficult. That said, it's almost as difficult as uh, it is for you to say precision. precision. We can't even talk at high speed with precision. However, we try (laughs) and we fail. So I'm watching the game last night and I actually tweeted it out. I'm like that replay did Hoaglander no favors after the pass. It was from Pedersen, right? And it's because yeah, you were all over him on Twitter. Oh my God! I, yeah, said I was going to say, thing. okay, you all know what? over him. You know what? <laughs> That's so why I didn't want to bring, bring it up. But now I'm in it. I'm in it now. Um, he missed the net by a very wide margin. He flubbed it. Right? There's there, no other way to say it. Well, Horvat had a similar opportunity. Miller had this uh, similar opportunity. Right. The big difference is Miller didn't even like get positive momentum on it. Someone, Debrus kept saying it exploded on him. I'm like, I failed to see the explosion. You're speaking. His stick didn't explode, did it? It just no. He just, just missed, kind of, he just healed it off, and that was it. Yeah. But So those chances. He, he cleared it into the corner because he was working on his defensive <laughs> yeah, play. Safety first, in boys. Calgary. <laughs> yeah, get this one in deep. Safety first. I do. I mean, the thing with Hoaglander, as opposed to Horvat and Miller, and don't get me wrong, those guys have faced criticisms as well, but they have a track record of scoring goals at the NHL level. Maybe not at an elite level, but scoring goals. And Miller did it last night. The, I think the, the question and concern with Hoaglander still as I take that small moment and extrapolate it out big time, is what exactly is he going to be on this team? Well, he's a fourth liner, right, if they're totally healthy? Like, I, maybe, but I don't know if Boudreaux trusts oh, I don't him think enough. He'd be on, well, he, I guess he might be on the That's fourth line. I thought the fourth line looked okay last night. Yeah, yeah I actually fine. did. I like Except when Dakota Joshua got bodied yeah. by Jack Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Didn't like that. Didn't care for that. He's a big boy, eh? Yes. He, yeah, he, he really stands out. I was like, at one time, you know in the beginning of the season, you're still trying to get it in your brain, like, who the new guys are and what's their number. I, I remember looking, I was like, who's that giant yeah. out there? Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it's to go to Joshua. <laughs> My take and on- then literally four seconds later, Campbell knocked him to the ground. Yeah, I was that was like, insane. Wow. My theory on that one was that he knew that he was about to collide with a goalie, 
and that he because that could have gone real. That could have gone. You're saying a, he let up probably. I think to, he let up safety I th- of Campbell. I think he let. No, I think he let up to not like the game would have gone way over the top. Oh, he yeah, leveled yeah, Campbell, enough. right? Game one in Edmonton. That would have been awesome, though. It would have been amazing. <laughs> Highlight reel. Like if he's going yeah, in back, hindsight, he should have done. I don't even care they lost. If I'm the coach and he's going back to the bench, I'm like, finish the job, get it done. Anyway, you wanted to talk about uh, Demko for a moment, Greg. Yeah, you wanted some positivity. Well, I love positivity. <laughs> The big thing, big takeaway for me with Demko was that he was moving freely. He didn't have any restrictions, it looked like. He did have surgery in the offseason. So the big thing for me, if he's going to play 60, 65-plus games, he needed to look healthy, and he looked like his old self, and that was uh, that's a very positive sign for me. Yeah, I think the only reason we didn't mention Demko until like 44 minutes into the show was he kind of was beyond analysis. Like, I th- he did a really good job given the circumstances. You're not going to, like, overtly praise a guy when he's given up four goals. But under the circumstances, he wasn't on the hook for any of them. In a very odd way, we've kind of come to expect great Demko stuff like we've come to expect great McDavid stuff. Like, Demko's just going to go out and give you a couple of, like, highlight reel saves, and he's going to keep you in games. And that's the bar that he set for himself because he's so good. But, you know, a big grand scheme of things, he was in no way responsible for last night. I think he did well yeah. in a bunch of different situations. But he, he wasn't just, a deciding factor. Yeah, for me, exactly. He just know? wasn't worthy of like top billing when we're talking about things to break down in this game. A lot of texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and it's great to see. Yes. Even if people are frustrated, uh, it's great to see the passion for the NHL regular season return. That was a fun game last night. You can tell it's a hockey town, eh? Because it's six fifty in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And the text box Go is blowing up. <laughs> do, um, something. do something other than this. A <laughs> lot of texts about the power play. Uh, unsigned text here. Can we stop the PD one timer on the power play? It works one percent of the time. Ninety nine percent of the time, it rings around the boards and exits the zone. Well, sometimes. He shoots it, and the goalie saves it. I've said it multiple times. The Canucks are at their best when they're able to work the puck down low and get those low-high chances. They just couldn't do it. They looked out of sorts last night. Mm-hmm. Um, th- yeah, these one-timers, like they when they work, they look awesome, right? When Petey scores those one-timers, we all celebrate. Yep. It doesn't seem to be the most high percentage play on that power play. Well, you know why? Neither is Quinn Hughes flinging the puck on that. If you work the puck down low and you're going east-west, north-south, down low, close to the net, you know, close to the net where goals are scored, Mm. that's where you're going to have the most success. Uh, At least with Hughes flinging them from the point, they're getting on net, right? He's shooting for either a tip or a rebound. It seems when it gets out to Pedersen in the one-time spot, too often, it's like, and I know this sounds stupid, but he's like shooting to score when he should be shooting to get a rebound and put it on net. Let the net front guy yeah, bang maybe. Home. Well, because how many times yeah. has there been a one like a? Well, you can't miss the net. But that like that, that just can't happen. It's a zone exit for yeah. Edmonton at that point. It yeah. happened a couple times, mm-hmm. right? And I get what I get. What he's trying to do is he's trying to be the Ovi spot because yeah. Ovi doesn't rely on other guys to score like I do myself. But, you know, you look at... I stand here, I don't move my feet, and then I score. Yeah, no one has to do anything. You don't even need to screen <laughs> it. He's just going to score. So Pedersen's But let's got- stop comparing this to Ovechkin. Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all I'm time. I'm comparing it just no, as, I know. A, just as I know. an example. People, people like, do it all the, the time, yeah. though. It's like... Oh, it works for Ovi. I was like, you mean the the, the greatest goal scorer of right. all time? But with the velocity that Pedersen hits it, I would almost say just put it on net. There's a, there's a very mm-hmm. minimal chance that the goalie's going to be able to swallow it up. He's probably going to spill a rebound. Do, do that. Yeah. Right. And th- that's something that I think as the evolution of this power play goes along. I know you talk about wanting to play it down low. My biggest thing here 
is they, they should have multiple prongs of attack. And the key is going to be not getting predictable. That's really it. There you was have, a period of time though where Petey was burying those shots. Like they called it the Petey spot. No one's Petey's saying that they should stop taking those one times. That's why I said yeah, it's no going to sound. Saying. It's going to sound stupid for me to say don't shoot to score. Yeah, right. Because he can score. Yeah, I'm talking about the predictability of it, and mm. I think a lot of people are saying if it's get if it's fed out to Pedersen five times and the end result is five clappers that go like eight yeah. feet over the oh, net, yeah. then you're kind of like, what are we doing here? Right. And that's where the, like, that's when the cross, pa- the cross ice pass comes in and you're trying to move things around. But I do. Agree. I also think you got to give the Oilers credit for their penalty killing last night. I thought they did a really good job. And you know what? They put the Canucks into tough positions where they were making bad passes and they looked confused. They looked uncertain. And then, you know, in kind of a classic example of that, they overload one side of the ice, the Oilers' PK. Petey's in a tough spot along the wall. He's on his backhand. He backs at, backhands it into the middle of the ice where he's, tr- he's trying to get it to Horvat. But the Oilers' players are there. Horvat's in a bad spot to take that pass. What Petey should have done, really, is just dump it down the wall. Mm-hmm. Instead, he puts it into the middle of the ice. The Oilers are there to take over, and they're off on a 3-1, and one, and they score and they tie the game. Yep. Right? Like So you do have to give credit to the Oilers' PK for that. That's what the Canucks' PK needs to develop. Uh, lots more to get to on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to get into the guest portion of the show. Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us. Uh, we'll talk about last night's game. We'll look ahead to Saturday in Philly. 7.30, Frank Saravalli. We'll go around the NHL. Lots of stories as teams are either underway with their regular seasons or get underway tonight. There's a huge slate of games in the National Hockey League. So we got a lot to get to. Don't go anywhere. Keep it on the dial. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's far too early to start pegging 